Welcome to Chapters of Motherhood. This is a weekly podcast about this hashtag mom life that is motherhood with all the struggles, chaos, and true blessings that come with the title mom. I am your host, Veronica. At 17 years old, I became a mom for the first time. And at 41, I had a water birth for my fifth baby. The goal of this podcast is to share with you my motherhood experience and hopefully help you realize that you are not alone in your own mom life journey. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, working mom, or a single mom, from potty training struggles, bedtime snuggles, and everything in between, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I share your frustrations and your joys. Every week is a different chapter of motherhood. Welcome everybody back to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. Today I am joined by Christy and Jenny, the host of Cheesecake and Crying podcast, to talk about their motherhood journeys and struggles during maternity leave and how they came up with the idea of Cheesecake and Crying. Hi, ladies. Hi, how are you? Doing great. How's everybody? Still on maternity leave? Still on maternity leave, yep. (laughs) Yeah, here in Canada, we have a year or more, so I know that can be probably different than what some of your listeners are probably yeah yeah Yeah, that's nice (laughs) here in California you'll be lucky to get um six weeks and if you apply for the additional six weeks family leave so all we get is about three months yeah but a year or more that sounds great it's pretty great (laughs) I can't I can't complain that's for sure it's pretty great we're we feel very fortunate to have that yes we do want to clarify though that mat leave is not a vacation. <laughs> no. <laughs> As no, some people not. might get the impression. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like rather than working, you know, eight hour days, 40 hour weeks, it's more like you're just working 24 hours a day. So we always say all moms are working moms because whether you're on mat leave or you're a stay at home mom or you are a mom who works from home or works outside the home, all moms are pretty much always working all the time <laughs> yeah, at one job or another. <laughs> yes, I agree. So how many children do you have? We each have two. Actually, it's funny because uh, we like to joke that we are mind twins and we do everything together. And we ended up not planned in any way, but we ended up both of our pregnancies, we we were pregnant at the same time through both of our pregnancies and we had boys first about three months apart. And then two years later, we both had girls and they're a month apart. Oh, wow. That's that's really lucky. That's nice to have that kind of friendship where the kids are also the same age and growing up together and, and the same gender. That's awesome. Yeah, God, so I'm jealous, much- actually. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty much uh, forced best friends, whether they like it or not. <laughs> And that kind of dynamic is one of the reasons that we ended up deciding to, um, I mean, we'll talk about it probably later, but to start our podcast was because we recognize that that is lucky. Not a lot of people get to have one or even both or more pregnancies. um, And Matt leaves at the same time as a friend. And what we have with each other, we realized that talking to other mom friends and just hearing other people's stories. Not everybody has that. And so we thought, you know, this could be kind of a fun experience and maybe we could be there for other people who don't have somebody to kind of chat with and vent to and, and look for or look to for tips and tricks of motherhood and mat leave and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, we basically, I mean, we all know, we've all heard about the village uh, and how it takes a village and that is obviously lost in today's society. And so we sort of thought, you know, social media and the internet and everything, just the age we live in, it's just a completely different dynamic. And so a podcast is sort of one way that we can, you know, sort of create and foster that mom tribe, that community, and kind of rebuild our own version of of the village, right? So all about supporting other moms, as you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, that's kind of the reason why I started mine as well, uh, thinking, you know, I know I'm not the only one who's going through this, and someone can relate to my story. Exactly. All right. So did Jen want to go ahead and talk about your experience so far with motherhood? You experienced postpartum depression? Yes. And, you know, the first time around was, well, I'm not going to say it was easy. I guess in hindsight, now having two children and looking back, it was, it it seems easy, but, you know, it's not when you're in it. But I guess you could say it was relatively, um, I don't know what the right word is, maybe not uneventful, but Definitely this second time has been a lot more challenging. Uh, My daughter was colicky, which I guess is just a catch-all term when they just cry all the time and you don't really know why. But yeah, we'll call it colicky. And that uh, has been a challenge, obviously. And just dealing with the two kids and, you know, I mean, those are certain circumstances. But of course, we don't know exactly what causes postpartum depression and anxiety. I have dealt with some of these issues, you know, before, like just growing up and and in my adult life. So I guess I'm just more predisposed to it. But it's been, uh, it's been interesting. (laughs) I know that just to clarify, you've dealt with depression separately from anxiety prior to having children. Yeah, more so the anxiety, I would say. But I guess, I guess depression too, like I've gone through bouts of it you know, which I feel is pretty like normal. Like I feel like most people I talk to have seemed have, you know, dealt with some sort of mental health challenge at one time or another. So, but yeah, definitely anxiety is something that I have struggled with for a long time. And, you know, just sort of, you kind of, when you're going through it and you're in that postpartum and you almost, you kind of tend to blame everything on, hormones or, oh, I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. It's, you kind of just, you know, push it aside because you're busy dealing with your children and you're being a mother and you're, you know, you barely have time to shower, eat, like self-care is not a thing. (laughs) So you start to put yourself on the back burner and it was starting to get to the point where I realized like, this is not, this is not normal. This is more than just you know, hormones are more than just a tiredness and just talking to uh, people like Christy, for example. And this is why another reason why just going back to, you know, building that village and having that support, it's so important to have people in your life that you do feel comfortable talking to about some of the thoughts and feelings that you're having. Because um, as you were saying, chances are, if you're going through it, someone else is too. And it's good to know that you know, we're not alone in this because it is, it is tough. And uh, sometimes we need a little help, which I am in the process of getting now. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to stay positive and just, I'm taking it one day at a time. I know that sounds so cliche, but that's really all, all you can do. So yes, one day at a time is exactly 
the way it needs to be done. When did you, how long did you feel the symptoms before you felt that you needed help? Well, my daughter is about nine, just over nine months now. So, (laughs) uh, it's, I say it's just been in the last month or so where I finally sort of taken the steps to getting help, talking to my doctor. I've actually started medication. I have a yoga background. And so I sort of thought it was something, and I'm always preaching about self-care. And so I sort of thought it was something that I could manage on my own. Like, oh, I I I know these tools. I have these tools. I know how to meditate. And I just need to take time for myself. And I, you know, kind of thought that it was something that I could beat by myself. Um, And then it just got to the point where I realized that it was getting worse instead of better, especially considering I don't have that time to just, you know, go and have time to myself whenever I want. It's not as easy when you don't, when you have like compared to somebody who say doesn't have children, right? Um, We can't just go and have a bubble bath with a glass of wine whenever we want, or, you know, it's harder to take that time for self-care. So I just realized that it's sort of one of those things where as a mom, we tend to kind of almost have that martyr mentality where it's like, oh, we have to put our kids first and we sort of are self-sacrificing. But when it comes to maternal mental health, taking care of ourselves is one of the best things that we can do for our children. And a lot of people still will chalk it up to just hormones. Oh, it's just hormones. Or this is my second time around. This is silly. You know, things like that. Or I thought it was going to be a lot easier having two kids rather than one. And, it's you know, it's a lot harder. So you start blaming yourself. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I d- Definitely. There's so much shame and guilt in motherhood. And I, and we, like Christy and I talk about this all the time too, and just like how it's so silly and unnecessary and why do we do it to ourselves? And it's one of those things too, where, you know, we're so quick to like, if, if Christy says something that she might be feeling mom guilt about, and it's like, I'll be the first to tell her like, oh no, don't be ridiculous. But then we don't, we don't have that same attitude toward ourselves. Now you mentioned that you're seeking treatment, you're doing talk therapy. So uh, my doctors actually thinks that I need to, I mean, therapy is something definitely that I'll be looking into down the road, but for now I'm on medication just to sort of um, kind of uh, balance everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Just out of curiosity, are you breastfeeding? I am. Okay. Yeah. I've done a little bit of uh, research on that. And, you know, when you're pregnant, your hormones are off the chart. And then as soon as you deliver, they have a sudden drop. So that's why the hormones are all off and you do experience those baby blues. And some for some people, it goes straight into um, depression. But also when you're breastfeeding, those hormones are still unbalanced, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it could extend the maternal mental health issue. Just, yeah. throw, just throwing it out there. I just, you know, I learned that recently, so... No, that's really interesting. Actually, Christy, we were just talking about breastfeeding hormones the other day and how we think it could be a contributing factor to to our moods. So that's interesting that there is some some science behind that. Right. Um, so is there any other awareness that you want to raise with your experience? I think the main thing is, like I said, you know, you you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you are feeling um, these feelings of 
overwhelm and frustration and rage and sadness and the anxiety, all of these things I was, I was experiencing. Um, first of all, it is normal. Like we need to normalize mental health in general and especially in postpartum and maternal mental health. Um, moms are important. We are important. You are important. And if you're going through these challenges, uh, the best thing that you can do for your children is to get help. And if that starts by even just talking to someone you love, like whether it's your partner or your best friend, or, you know, talking to your doctor, like just starting that conversation, I think we are, you know, it is becoming more normalized. People are being more open about it. And I try to be candid about it. I talk about it on my social media. I talk about it all the time because it, you know, it's something that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't shy away from it. We need to bring more awareness to it. Uh, that's the only way that you're going to get better. Right. So. Right. And it's not something that's going to go on away, away on its own. It's not something that, oh, you know, as soon as you're done breastfeeding or when you go back to work, everything will go better for you. It's not something that's just going to magically disappear. You do need to get help for it. And you do need your family members aware of your of your mood because a lot of the times people, the person in the eye of the storm won't notice what's going on. And it's usually a spouse or a mom or a parent or a loved one, a friend that will recognize, hey, there's something wrong and I want to help you. You got to be open to that help. They're not criticizing you. They want to help you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I did have people in my life, like my husband and like Christy and other people who were, you know, sort of gently pointing that out and kind of nudging me in the right direction. And I think too, it's important to mention that we know moms tend to put a lot of pressure. Um, there's a lot of pressure put on moms in general from external sources, like from society and social media and the pressure that we put on ourselves. Yeah. And I think that we have to have this, we have this persona that we have to be super moms and we have to have our, you know, have it all together at all times. And we, if we ask for help or if we admit that we are failing in some way that we, you know, we will be deemed a bad mother and that's just ridiculous. So that's yes. another stigma that we need to, you know, that needs to go away. <laughs> totally agree. Yes. Let's not put that extra pressure. We got too much pressure on us already. Let's not put on that extra pressure on ourselves. Exactly. Did Christy want to go ahead and jump in? Yeah. Sorry, Jen. She was doing a great job at explaining Yes. <laughs> everything. I didn't want to interrupt. But just to Jenny's point about um, and your point about having people around you. And that's kind of also with Cheesecake and Crying having our village. I think it took... Um, a little bit of a nudge. And I'm glad that Jen and I have the relationship that we do. She's pretty self-aware. And she was aware of, I think, some of the the warning signs for what she was, was going through. But I think it's, like you said, it's important to be open. And, and it was um, good to be able to be there for her and sort of remind her that she, I, I said this to her probably a 100 times, mm-hmm. like, you deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel your best. Like don't do this for, I mean, obviously you want to do it for your kids and you want to do it for your husband and for your friends and your family. And you, you think that you need to be better for all of us, but I want you to feel good. Like you deserve to feel good. You deserve to not feel this way. And I think moms sometimes forget that you deserve that. Like forget everybody else for a second. You have to put yourself first and recognize that you first deserve all the good and all the best. 
Right, I agree. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Hi friends, I'm popping in real quick just to tell you about this amazing plant medicine, CBD. It has a range of benefits from pain relief, anti-inflammatory, they help control seizures, anxiety, and you know what, just so much more. And I've been taking CBD myself for over two years and I've been recommending it to friends and family. And you know, I'm just such an advocate for the benefits of CBD and what it has to offer the chronically ill person, the fatigued person, that I just decided to partner up with a company as a distributor for family-friendly CBD. For more information on how CBD could help you and your family and your pets, click on the link in the show notes now. Back to our conversation. Christy, did you want to go ahead and talk about your motherhood journey? Yeah. So mine's um, been a little different than Jen's. I would say some of my bigger challenges have been um, physical with my motherhood journey. So I have experienced a little bit of postpartum anxiety with both of my pregnancies. And I mean, not to undermine that, that has been very challenging. But I think some of my bigger challenges came more on the physical side, especially with my first pregnancy. I would say I've mostly been a pretty, you know, active and healthy person most of my adult life. And like Jen said, she is, um, she has a yoga background as do I. And so I kind of had this image, I don't know, maybe from media or just from watching celebrities be pregnant. It looks very breezy and easy. And you see, you know, these leggy Victoria's Secret models pop out babies and it seems very, all very cute and, you know, light. And I sort of expected, I'm not really totally sure why, but I, I expected that the that was going to be that way for me, that I was just going to breeze through pregnancy and that I was going to feel great and that I was going to uh, snap right back and feel back to myself. And that was very much not the case. Uh, with my first pregnancy, I had actually with both of my pregnancies, but with my first pregnancy, I had it more significantly, which was placenta previa. I don't know if you know what that is or not, but in case listeners don't know what that is, it's basically when your uh, placenta is covering your cervix. So ultimately where the baby has to come out, your placenta is blocking it. And it's not totally uncommon. I think a lot of, I talked to a lot of other moms after the fact and realized it's more common that my doctor had kind of made me think it was. And it's not necessarily dangerous per se, but it can be. And so I found out at my 20 week scan that um, I had with my first pregnancy with my son, a f like a fully blocked cervix. And in order to deliver naturally, um, or naturally is the wrong word, vaginally, um, you need it needed to move out of the way and be completely unblocked from the cervix by at least two centimeters. And this was all really new to me. And it kind of um, took me a little bit by surprise. I don't know why. It's just I expected everything to just be fine. And with the placenta privia came um, some restrictions. So pelvic rest, which meant no sex, which I mean, at that point, I was pretty much fine with. I don't know about my husband. <laughs> right. <laughs> one of you was happy about that. The other one. Was yeah, not. exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It also meant I couldn't exercise anything past, you know, light walking or anything like that. 
And that was okay. I was a little bit worried about it. My doctor was pretty strict about the fact that placenta previa isn't a problem until it's a problem. So if I had any bleeding or, you know, any contractions or anything like that, that felt abnormal, that it was an emergency rather than a wait and see. Um, Because as you can imagine, I'm sure, um, or as listeners can imagine, if you happen to have any kind of preterm labor or anything like that, if the place where the baby has to come out is blocked, that's a big problem and would require an emergency C-section. So with it being my first pregnancy and being so everything is new, obviously when it's your first pregnancy, I was really scared. And that kind of threw off the journey for me a little bit. And that was okay up until about, I think it was about 25, 26 weeks pregnant with that pregnancy. And I started to have, I remember very specifically, I was at work. Um, I work in human resources and I was going to conduct interviews and I had all these papers in my hand and I'm rushing across. I work at a college, so I was rushing across the campus and I just started to have what I didn't realize at the time because I'd never felt them before, but it was ultimately contractions and like stopped me in my tracks, like some of the worst pain that I'd ever felt. So uh, I kind of made it back to my office and my boss suggested that they take me to the hospital, especially based on what my doctor had told me. And when I got there, they hooked me up to the monitors and said, yes, I was in fact having contractions. But after a lot of tests determined that I was okay to go home, but they put me on bed rest. Um, And I ended up being on bed rest the rest of my pregnancy. I won't bore you with all of the details. But that was really, really challenging for me. Um, I was at home on bed rest to the point where, you know, I could obviously get up to go to the washroom and, and do those things. But I was supposed to be um, resting pretty much the entire rest of my pregnancy, which was still almost three months. Um, And so some of the physical challenges, like additional weight gain, swelling, um, soreness, just from you know, laying down as crazy as that sounds. But obviously, if anybody out there has ever been pregnant, you know that that's super uncomfortable after a certain point. Yeah, That all was just, it really was such a surprise and a shock to me. And it ended up being so much more physically challenging than I ever imagined. So as your belly grows, the placenta does move. And in this case, the placenta did move and I found out I got, I think it was 37 or 38 weeks that I could uh, try and deliver vaginally. And I did, and it ended up being successful and everything worked out in the end. But that just sort of was, I guess the challenge for me was to overcome. I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but I guess I had thought that things were going to be a certain way. And when they weren't, it was a struggle for me mentally to sort of rectify that in my brain as to this wasn't how I pictured it. And then um, when my second pregnancy happened, they had told me that the chance of having placenta previa a second time was like less than 1%. And so I was feeling pretty okay with it. I mean, it all ended up working out fine. But ultimately, I didn't want to have that experience again, where potential for bed rest, I had to be off work. It was I mean, bed rest sounds fun now that I've had two kids. <laughs> I would love for someone Amen. to force me. Yeah, I would love for right. someone to force me to uh, lay in bed, but it actually is not very fun. It's very boring and very um, lonely and and challenging. And if you can't work, it's also 
you know, potentially financially difficult as well. Anyways, so when I went in for my 20 week scan with my daughter, I was pretty much assuming that I wouldn't have it again. And turns out that I did have it again. <laughs> this time, however, the um, block was very minimal and it ended up moving within a few weeks. So whereas with my first pregnancy, I didn't get the all clear until about 38 weeks. This time, I think by about 24 or 25 weeks when I had my second follow-up scan, um, it, everything was fine. However, I did learn as I got into my third trimester that those contractions that I had the first time uh, weren't just like a fluke or a one-time pregnancy thing. And I always mess up how to say this, but it's prodromal or prodromal or something like that labor. And basically, I'm just somebody who's prone to having contractions. Um, and they're not necessarily strong enough to dilate you in the beginning, but they are stronger than Braxton Hicks. So it's super painful. And also, you never really, really know when you're going into labor. Right. So it, it, you know, I was at work um, through my second pregnancy multiple times. They didn't put me on bed rest this time because I my placenta previa had already cleared by the time all this started. So I was uncomfortable with all the contractions that were going on, but it wasn't necessarily risky by that point. And so like multiple times I would end up in triage thinking that I was potentially going into labor and, you know, they would hook me up and it turns out that I wasn't. Um, and my daughter ended up, my second pregnancy, she ended up actually being late, of course. Um but just that whole experience was really physically challenging. I mean, the contractions were really intense at some points, And this went on for months and months and months. And so while I was kind of lucky to have relatively uncomplicated births, the pregnancy was very physically challenging for me. Okay. And did you feel any anxiety into your second pregnancy? I did. Um, but because they had said, you know, there's a less than 1% chance that you would have placenta privia again. And we, because I'd only been pregnant once prior, there was no, I never thought that I would have that contraction issue again. I, I don't know why. Um, but I just didn't think it would be the same. And so I'm not planning on having a third child, <laughs> but if I did, or if I were to get pregnant again, I think I would have a lot more anxiety going into the pregnancy, knowing that I'm prone to these kinds of things, um, because it was, it's painful. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can relate a little bit with my second pregnancy with my daughter. I was just under so much stress that I was having, I thought they were breast and hicks as well, but I don't think they were that strong as you're describing. They were somewhere in between the middle yeah. and it was just due to stress though. Mm -hmm. And they just call them false contractions. Yeah. So I can understand, but they weren't as strong as what you're describing. So it was probably just Braxton Hicks. <laughs> hey, Braxton Hicks can be painful. I don't they can, care. They, they can, yeah. People say that they're not supposed to be painful, but I think that they've obviously never felt them because they can be painful. Right. Can, I just, oh. can I just say all these people that say things like, Oh, Braxton Hicks aren't painful. Oh, uh, breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. Like all these things that people say. And it's like, 
you know, can we just be real? Like, yeah, Braxton Hicks suck. <laughs> Breastfeeding hurts in the beginning. Like all of these things that it's like, we all just, it's like, we try to just, again, it's like the whole, like, oh, we're all super moms, right? It's like, oh yeah, everything's fine. No, it's all great. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It's fine. And, and instead of just being real and talking about how most of the stuff that we go through while pregnant and childbirth and postpartum, it's not all, I mean, yes, you get a cute, snuggly baby in the end, hopefully, right? But it's not all like fun and sunshine and roses when you're going through it. <laughs> so yes, exactly. Just because it's natural doesn't mean it's easy. It hurts. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I was going to say that I, I can also relate with bed rest because with my fourth baby, um, I started getting Braxton Hicks at 16 weeks and all every day, every day. And it got to the point where it's like, am I in labor? Or am I not in labor? Yeah. And I was put on bed rest as well. But they gave me medication to stop contractions at 35 weeks. Did they give you medication? They didn't because okay. I'd been I'd been they were watching me closely enough to determine that the contractions weren't like making any headway when I my first pregnancy when I went actually into labor I was only about a centimeter and a half two centimeters dilated and I was 39 weeks at that point um so they were watching me pretty closely we talked about the potential for medication um and before the placenta previa had cleared we also talked about the potential to have um a c-section early um because if I went into labor um, before the previa had cleared, it would be like an emergency and potentially life-threatening situation. So we talked about a number of different options, but they monitored me really carefully. I ended up, I think normally you go um, once a month, at least here in Canada, uh, for your first, what is it? You guys probably know better, uh, eight like seven, eight months, you go once a month and then you start going every two weeks and then you go every week your last, uh, in your ninth month of pregnancy to see your OB. But I was going every week from pretty much the time that the contractions really started around 24, 25 weeks. So they were monitoring me really closely. Um, so I never had to actually take the medication. Okay. Yeah, that's good. My doctor was not monitoring me very closely <laughs> like that at all. I have complaints about that doctor, but that's for some other time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, I can definitely relate. I'm sure there's other people that can relate to what you went through. And yeah, the, the thing that I didn't know about was the postpartum anxiety. I I yeah. did not know people. I, I mean, I guess because I'm not familiar myself with anxiety, I've had depression before. So that's why, to me, when people started talking about anxiety, I'm like, I'm fascinated by it because I don't, I don't understand it and I want to understand it. I want to know how I can help others that are going through it. What would you recommend as someone that has been going through anxiety? I mean, I was somebody who hadn't really experienced anxiety as an adult, I would say, almost like at all. I've Jen and I would joke that I was like mellow to like a sociopathic level, <laughs> like nothing would rattle me uh, prior to pregnancy and, and all of that. Um, but I also had never heard of postpartum anxiety. I had heard of postpartum depression. And I don't even think I realized that I had postpartum anxiety from my first pregnancy until my second pregnancy. Um, I kind of passed it off as, oh, this must be like a hormone thing. Um, but I remember specifically both pregnancies 
I would say pretty directly after birth within the first three months of postpartum was the worst, but it was always related, at least for me, to the baby and their well-being. And so it would be, especially the first time around when you're a new mom and you really, or at least I was really terrified about everything because everything was so foreign and unknown. Um, But it would be something as simple as, you know, um, a day, like a diaper rash. And, you know, then it was like, oh my gosh, my brain would just take over and it would be like, you know, then they're going to get, uh, they're, it was going to bleed and then they were going to get an infection. And then I was going to have to give them medication and, um, antibiotics. And then that was going to create thrush in their mouth. And then that was going to affect our breastfeeding. And it was just this constant, like a worst case scenario playing in my head over and over. And I remember, you know, anytime something small would go wrong, I would literally be like, "Uh oh, and I just I could feel it taking over my body and my heart would pound. And I would say to my husband, like, I hate this. And he would just be like, relax. (laughs) Like, why are you thinking all these ridiculous thoughts? None of this is going to happen. But I couldn't control it. And especially the first time around, I thought, oh, this is just what it's like to be a new mom. Like you worry about your baby and you worry about everything. And then the conversation, I think, between my pregnancies, at least like in social media, or at least to my knowledge in social media, changed a little bit to talk a little bit more about postpartum anxiety. And that's when, like you, I realized, oh, this is a thing. And I kind of connected the dots. But Jen can obviously give her perspective from having a little bit of a different experience. Yeah, well, I mean, I am no stranger to anxiety. I'm definitely the the high strung one of the two, of the two of us. Um, <laughs> Even with, even despite my, my yoga training, I'm like the, probably like the most hyper yogi you'll ever meet, but (laughs) I will say that, yeah, I mean, I, I dealt with anxiety even prior to becoming a mom and that's definitely heightened. And I think some of it is normal, right? Especially the first time around you have no idea what you're doing and now you're responsible for this little tiny human and you have to keep them alive and it's like, okay, um, and go. And you're like, okay, what, what do I do? Um, but like Christy said, I think it's with the anxiety, it's no matter what it is, no matter how small or like insignificant it might seem, you always go to worst case scenario for everything. And I noticed too, another thing is it's almost like you get yourself uh, worked up or panicky about something that hasn't even happened. It's like you create the story in your head of something and then you are reacting to it and it's just something that you've made up in your head. Like it's not even reality and you're upset about it. Like that's one of the ways I would describe it or at least that's how it is for me personally. So for example, with my daughter being colicky and being very fussy all the time and just not an, not an easygoing lady and we'll be out somewhere and I will be panicking and worrying about like, oh, I have to go before she freaks out, but she's perfectly fine. Like she'd be content and like smiling. And I'd be like, oh my God. And like, I'd be not enjoying myself because I'm like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for her to have a meltdown. So I can't even be present in that moment and enjoy her being happy because I'm just waiting for her to freak out. Okay. I think that was also (laughs) one of the, one of, one of the pivotal moments that I think we all kind of realized that maybe, um, we needed to support Jen a little bit more was Jen came over with her kids and her husband. Our husbands are best friends. They actually were best friends before we 
we're friends. <laughs> People always think it's like the other way around, but they actually have been friends longer. Um, and all of our kids are playing together. I think this was in like June. It was in the spring. Yeah. And Jen felt really stressed about her daughter, May, um, and like napping and that she was going to freak out and, and that she was going to have a um, like colic fit or, or like she was going to have a crying fit. And honestly, <laughs> she it, it's not funny, but she was, like her, her daughter was like an angel the whole time. And Jen had a really hard time like enjoying herself. And we have a relationship where like our homes are like each other's homes. So it's not like a situation where, you know, you're at a stranger's house or, or an acquaintance where you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like we go to each other's houses all the time. We were basically like live at each other's houses and when children allow anyways. And so I think that was kind of like a, aha for all of us Jen included that like okay something else might be going on here because she's fine (laughs) yeah that's exactly the day that I was um picturing in my head when I was (laughs) when I was saying that because it was just such a it's like yeah exactly like if you can't relax it's just like that feeling of of not being able to relax and not being able to enjoy the moment or the present because your head is always just going to that worst case scenario and waiting for something and worrying about something that might not even happen. And at that time she was what, like three months old? Maybe about four, five, five or six months yeah. old. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So a lot older. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't just like, oh, like that kind of newborn. I feel like right. that newborn phase is really, you know, obviously your anxiety is heightened. I almost feel like that's um, like a biological thing, right? right? Like your your senses are on high alert. Um, yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. But, and then it's like, you kind of get past that phase and you, you should sort of come down a little bit. And when you don't come down, maybe that's a sign that there's something else going on. Right, because by five to six months, you should be excited that they're, oh, they're trying to stand up, they're um, babbling, they're trying to crawl. Mm-hmm. You know, and But for you, you couldn't enjoy that moment. No, um, I still have a hard time some, like enjoying enjoying her happy moments. Like she's definitely a lot happier now than she was. And in the beginning when she was so colicky, she basically just, if she was awake, she was crying. And it's it sort of, um, I mean, I was never worried about her developmentally. Uh, I know, you know, you try not to compare, like, I know you have five kids, I think. Um, yes, I have and I'm sure it's harder for like hard for you not to compare them all to each other. But even just with comparing her to my son, and I know like, okay, girls are different than boys, and they're gonna have different milestones. And, and I think too, with Christy, I would compare Maori to Myla a lot, her daughter, because they were even closer in age than our sons are. And, you know, in the beginning, she wasn't reaching it, not that she there was never an issue, but just she wasn't quite like rolling over or crawling as early as I would have perhaps liked her to, or as early as I was used to with my son, um, that sort of thing. And then just in the last few months, it's like all of a sudden, oh, she's a real baby now. She can, you know, she can crawl and she can stand and she can talk and wave and like coo and whatever, right? And do all those baby things. And I think that was another sort of kind of moment where I realized that I do I did um that there was something else going on with me because it's like now I had this baby who was doing all these baby things and not just screaming in my face and I still couldn't enjoy her I was still 
um, not able to, to just, yeah, to just be present. I was still was feeling all that anxiety and frustration, even when she was happy, you know, and that's not, I mean, no mother wants to like the baby, the baby, I don't want to say season, but I I can't think of another (laughs) word. The baby season is so short, right? You have a year, that's it, where they're a baby. And she's almost, I mean, she's closer to a year than she is to a newborn. Um, And I, you know, sometimes I feel that mom guilt or that I almost feel like panicky, like I need to enjoy her more. I'm not enjoying her enough, but I'm doing the best that I can. And I've gotten help and I mean, all I can do is I can't get that time back, but I can just focus on moving forward, being, trying to just in, in, enjoy that more and just take the time to slow down and and just really be present with her. Well, it sounds like you're doing everything right. <laughs> and you're surrounded by the right people, too. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no one remembers the first year anyway. You're so sleep deprived yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I can relate also with a colicky baby because um, my second baby, which was a girl, also had colic for the first three months. And it really is like you're you're a walking zombie at that point because mm-hmm. they're crying. They're not sleeping They're With mine, she would only sleep on the breast, but she wouldn't actually nurse. So when I would take her down, she would start crying. And then I had a parrot that would wake her up. And it was just oh chaos. Yeah. And, and and at the time I had a three year old, you know, my oldest was three and he was and he's ADHD. So oh, okay. I was going nuts over it. So, yeah, I understand um, what it's like having a colicky baby. But I got lucky that she outgrew it by, I think, the third, fourth month. And then I was able to sleep. But by that time I was here in California. You have to go back to work at six weeks at that time. This was 23 years ago. You went back to work after six weeks. Wow. So so unbelievable to us. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah we, need, we need more time for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, at six weeks, you're not. I mean, I we were actually just. I think I said this. What I'm about to say exactly on a on a on a previous podcast, but it, it just stuns me because. It's like, yeah, you, you're not even healed. And I think I made the joke, like, you don't even want to get dressed, like, at that at six weeks. Like, you don't even want to put on pants, let alone have yeah, to get you can't dressed even... in work attire. Exactly. I was wearing a uniform. I couldn't even fit into my uniform. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So how did Cheesecake and Crying start? So you guys have been friends for years, and you saw an opportunity to help Jen? Well, it was, it was funny because we used to, so when we were on mat leave together the first time we used to get together for, it was much easier for us to, to get together, um, with just the one kid and we would try to meet up for lunch at least, uh, once a week and sometimes, well, and we were each other's village, right? So we would always be calling and texting each other, even if it was three in the morning, you know, just a vent or whatever. And we were going through, we were both first time moms. So we're going through everything for the first time together. And we would sort of, yeah, so we'd want to get together and just like, you know, eat like a dessert, eat something with sugar and get some caffeine into us and like, just like lament about everything we're going through. So we would, it got to the point where we text each other, uh, cheesecake and crying tomorrow. Um, like, those were our mom dates. It was like code for our mom dates. And then, you know, we tried to sort of do that. We were doing that the second time around, lucky enough to be on mat leave together again. 
Um, our Both of our boys are still in daycare part-time because it's good for them and also so that we can have that time to bond with our daughters. And then, yeah, we just thought, like, Well, you wow. were the one that came up with the idea for the podcast. Jen, Jen proposed the idea to me, and I'm usually really, like, sarcastic and cynical about things a little bit at first. And I was kind of like, yeah, that sounds fun. But I have a pretty straight-laced job. I work in human resources. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to like talk about this stuff on a podcast. I was interested in it, but like it was something was holding me back a little bit. Whereas Jen, um, by career, is a writer. And she's very like expressive. And she did broadcast journalism. And so this is like totally right up her alley. She's been amazing at it from the start. Um, I was sort of like, I don't know if I can do this. And then she was like, let's just do it. Like nobody's even really going to listen anyways. (laughs) It's like, you know, it'll be fun. Like we have these conversations anyway, let's just record them and see what happens. And so I was like, okay, fine. And then we did the first one and it was super fun. And it just kind of went from there. And we were like, you know what? Like, I think I mentioned this when we first started talking was, you know, we're lucky to have each other and not everybody has that like motherhood tribe or motherhood village or best friend that they can go to. And, you know, motherhood can be kind of lonely if you don't have somebody to, I mean, your husband, of course, if you do have a spouse or, um, your partner or whoever, um, but they don't understand it the same way that somebody who's been through birth and been through pregnancy and, um, you know, breastfeeding and all of those things does as much as they might try. And so we were like, you know, even in our local area, if there's moms that don't have that and we can connect with them, that's one of the cool things about the internet and social media nowadays is it does give you that uh, platform, I guess, even on a very small scale to connect with people. And that's kind of how it began. Yeah, and I think you guys are doing great. I've I've listened. <laughs> well, <laughs> it you. actually we we've been very surprised. We have had a lot um, more listeners and support than we honestly ever imagined, and so we feel pretty motivated and excited by that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. Um, when I first heard of Cheesecake and Crying, and I started listening to um, your podcast, I thought about it and I thought. Do they realize that they're the Golden Girls? Have you seen Have you seen that TV program? It's an old yeah. sitcom from the eighties. Yeah, and I'm like, I swear this is like the the um, Golden Girls. And so I'm sitting there and I'm enjoying everything that you're talking about. And personally, I I know that you do reviews for cheesecake. I'm just a New York cheesecake type of person. I'm just traditional with berries or compote. That's yes. It. <laughs> Love it. Compote. Is that how you say it? We did a, we were talking about that on a podcast. Compote. Yeah. We couldn't figure out how to say it. We were calling it what? Compote. <laughs> yeah. Just damn. I, I, re- I don't know. I rarely say things correctly, so <laughs> it might not be, but I think it's compote. Yeah. I think you're right. I do think you're right. We're going to go with that. Yeah. Uh, also, I have to say that I love the Golden Girls, so that I take that as a very large compliment. <laughs> I <laughs> love the lo- I love the Golden Girls. I used to watch all the time. Yeah. Long live Betty White. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's a treasure for sure. Yeah, she's a treasure. <laughs> so, where can I know I've been saying it, but please, where can my listeners find you? Uh, we are on Instagram at Cheesecake and Crying, and our podcast link 
is on our profile. You can also search for us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, all the major platforms. However you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. We are also on Twitter. Um, the handle's a bit different, though. It's at Cheesecake Crying, no G, <laughs> at the end. Um, yes. Only because... Twitter. Yeah. Twitter's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Twitter would not allow us to have a full name. <laughs> yeah. Mine too. Mine too. Yeah. Twitter's okay. like, we don't care about your branding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Twitter doesn't care about our branding. They just, uh, oh, speaking of which, can I tell you another thing? I'm kind of fanning out right now, but I love your colors. Like the way that you guys um, have your colors and the yellow and the pink, like those are my favorite colors. And the way you did your branding, I love, I love it. I like it a lot. Thanks. Yeah. It also seems kind of a throwback to the eighties sort of. Um, Yes. We're eighties babies. So. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. This has been great. It's great to be on the other side of the mic. (laughs) Yeah. This is the first time we've been on another (laughs) podcast. So this was really awesome and, and exciting for us. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, share it with a mom friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can rate and review on Apple Podcast. You can leave me a voicemail message on Anchor FM. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood or Twitter at Mother Podcaster. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood.